Welcome to Streamable, the podcast about the best streaming content out there. We're going to be reviewing shows and movies from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney+, Peacock, whatever other services they come up with. So sit back, listen to our review, and then you can tell us how wrong we are on Twitter. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Brett. And together we have over 57 years of movie watching experience. Wait, we were watching movies when we were born? Shh, shut up. Did we have an opening? I don't know, some sort of joke about I'm Vex and he's Vex. <laughs> okay, uh, you do that and I'll come in and be the gnome that f***s everybody. Fuck. Two heads, don't worry, I still finished. I, I honestly uh, just want to leave it as it is right now or be suggesting the joke. <laughs> you saying I'll come in as a gnome that f- everybody because i don't know if it'll actually be funnier than you just stay but <laughs> okay fine you have to censor it but go ahead yeah all right yeah that's good enough <laughs> so we're we're talking about the legend of vox machina from amazon on the eve of amazon raising their prices to 140 dollars a year by the way still cheaper and better than netflix well, yeah, the other thing with Amazon is you're really, mostly people are paying for prime shipping and getting a video service on the side. Right. Still, uh, I'm, yeah, uh, we're basically uh, pushing people to cancel Netflix. But joining us today as well is Mark. Say hi, Mark. Hello. Hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> I am not very familiar with Critical Role, which is what this series is based off of jimmy is somewhat familiar and mark is most familiar so you kind of have that uh degree real quickly i want to read something about basically how this all started it, you guys may not know i found it very interesting i'm going to summarize the the kind of wikipedia early march 2019 critical role does by the way critical role is like a DD thing i won't get into it more than that they did a kickstarter campaign to try to fund one 22-minute animation episode. They thought it would cost uh, $750,000. Within one hour of launch, they got a million dollars. Yes. At the end of the first day, they had $4.3 million, which was four episodes worth. About 11 days in, they had eight episodes worth. Uh, All in all, at the end, they got $11 million, making it the highest grossing for TV and film in Kickstarter and one of the fastest funded campaigns ever. Yeah, the critters, the Critical Role fans are very passionate, apparently. There's yeah. a lot of nerds, and for better or worse, they're seen as the group that made D&D popular again, so. Yeah, that is a big thing, because, yeah, what they are is a, a bunch of voice actors that Twitch stream themselves just playing through a D&D campaign. And Annie. Ashley Johnson got her, one of her big starts was playing Annie in the movie. Okay. I know she's been a lot of things, but anyway. Uh, And yeah, then it was obviously picked up by Amazon. It's already been greenlit for two seasons worth because they essentially had a full season already funded, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's two 12 episode seasons, I believe. For whatever reason, they're releasing it in three episode batches. So there's six episodes out. I like this release schedule. 
Because we always complain about the weirdness of like, oh, give us like a smattering of a few and then go to one in a week. I think I, I, I like the three a week. But like, this it, is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time Amazon has done this. They're usually a release everything at once, aren't they? They I think are. there was something else they did a, 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 as a weekly. Yeah, Invincible. Their other animated series. And um, huh. yeah, otherwise Jack Ryan and all that was always all at once. Right. Yeah, all the live action stuff they've done all at once. But no, The Boys was also weekly, right? Yeah, the newest season. I they they switched over to this recently. Okay. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. three episodes is weird, except that you know they're twenty two minutes, so I guess you're talking about roughly an hour of content. Yeah, so maybe content that's that's yeah. kind of what they're thinking. Yeah, I because I, I remember like I think uh, the Invincible episodes were about like thirty minutes, maybe forty, but like it felt short. And then you only got one each week. Like I, I think getting a couple makes up for that feeling. I, I think more people should should adopt something similar. Like give us a give us a handful of episodes. It, it feels like a good in between of like the 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 very slow release weekly and then the binging of of multiple episodes. I, I think it has a lot more to do with the length of the episode than anything. Like if it was mm. an hour long show, they wouldn't do this. But yeah, but it would feel pretty bad to just get a twenty minute episode every week. I, I did figure maybe this was a special consideration since it's they're they didn't create the show they're more I guess what, licensing or publishing it and they're listed as a production company so they're they're they threw some money into it I think too. All right. Well, yeah, I'm not sure how that all works because they acquired the rights in November 2019. So yeah, that's probably before they started making anything. I originally thought it was going to be the same animation studio that did Invincible. But when I started watching it, it was it was off, uh, and but I, I it still felt like it was familiar. And I looked up the animation studio, and they're the ones that did Venture Bros. Interesting. Yeah, I just recognized Tony Hale and David Tennant, which was really random from the pilot. But I don't know, it was kind of funny. And Stephanie Beatrice. Oh yeah, from Brooklyn Nine Nine. In case anyone doesn't know, my general impression going in. Fairly blind. I, I'm aware of Critical Role. I have never watched it, listened to it. Uh, I know there's like podcasts on it too. I think mm -hmm. it seemed like they jumped in at the end. Like it was really weird to me, without spoiling too much, that the start of the show seemed like the biggest quest. I, I saw through reading the Wikipedia that it was meant to be. Originally, it was meant to be this period of time when all of the members weren't together, which clearly changed. And I don't know, it was kind of maybe a prequel to the actual D&D &D campaign, or uh, I don't know, maybe you guys can talk to that a little more. It just felt a little strange. So what I know about the first campaign is that it originally was just a table game they were playing at home before they came up with the idea to, you know, stream it. So the point where it became streaming content, they were already into the campaign. I think like everyone was already like level seven or something like and then they were using an older system and then they swapped over to D&D 5e to make it more easier for people to watch and a bunch of things. So so we are supposed to kind of join them in the middle of like them already being somewhat of a crew. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the whole idea of, of jumping in while they were people were missing and stuff didn't actually happen because I know like there was reasons that uh, you know people were missing because I think like somebody was doing like a big movie shoot or something so their character was just like not there for multiple sessions 
like for months, I think, and things like that. But I, I know that we were supposed to join them like when they're already kind of established a little bit. So it is a weird thing where that 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 the it seemed like it was such a big quest as the first thing, but it kind of makes sense because they're supposed to already kind of be like a group that's doing stuff like that. My my biggest problem with that and with the series so far, I, I've watched three episodes, by the way. Jimmy and Mark, what are you at? I'm at three as well, just because I wanted to not know too much because I figured you'd only watch three. But I assume, Mark, are you all caught up? Yeah, I am. Okay. And well, I would... You can touch on some of that stuff then. I, I would ar- argue that it's more... Uh, from what I understood, they tried to pick up the show, l- like you said, at a point where the the party or the main character group we're watching is somewhat entrenched, so they're known, but they're still burgeoning. And I, I took it more as it's hard, you know, anyone that's familiar with D&D, there might be like a big end goal you're eventually reaching towards, but I think part of the reason why the show works in general is... It's, it takes place over a long period of time, and we're just looking at one story arc that was very famous uh, within the first campaign of Critical Role that people who knew about the show could watch. And then also it was a really good starting point, I guess, from a narrative perspective, because they already have backstories flushed out and they know how it's going to end. So they don't have to jump in trying to come up with all new stuff that might not translate as well to TV. Yeah, and the other thing to note is it might feel like what they started was big, but um, because of what happens in the first couple episodes. But I think it's setting the stone for like, even though that seemed big, it, it's a stepping stone for an even bigger thing that they're getting into as a big quest line. So uh, I guess will, that's it will get larger, just, essentially. I guess that's just not like coming through. And, it, it you know, I don't know. The, the other big problem I have is through three episodes. I still couldn't name all the characters if you paid me to, and I don't know anything about a majority of them. The third episode seems to be starting what I hope is a trend in focusing on one character and giving a little bit of their backstory. I don't yep. know if that's necessarily what it's going to do, just because the so I, it, they they discuss this in like a, a quote in the Wikipedia article that I saw. Um, how like the whole campaign one is like a 400 hour campaign mm-hmm. and then what we're about to get into is is what's known as the Briarwood arc uh, and then in, in game that took them about like 35 hours to go through and they're like we had to condense that down to about 6 I think they're just talking about basically the Briarwood arc like I think that's, uh, and that's the big thing right now and that could be part of the problem is it feels so fast paced and so action heavy that because they took this existing content and tried to compress it, they're losing a little bit of the heart of like getting to know the characters and Yeah, it, it has to it, it is playing like a little bit of a tightrope game of being um is it for the fans of the existing content? Uh or is it trying to be you know, understandable for newcomers. I get that there are a lot of characters and you're not really getting a lot of time to get to know them yet. I know that this arc is going to focus mostly on the gunslinger character, uh, Percy. Uh, yeah. So, so you'll get to know him most likely, but I don't know that it'll 
you know, get you into everybody else. In in the bat without giving away too much, in the back three episodes, they do flush that out more with a little bit of conversation snippets about where the characters are from. I, I think, like you said early on, partly is this is a narrative time where they weren't technically all together. So they're kind of having to maybe, and that's coming through a bit, jury rig some connective tissue between all the characters, because otherwise, why do they care about helping each other? And this Briarwood story arc is predominantly about Percy's or Percival's, the like weird vampiric almost gunslingers character and how he fits in and then i i guess i would imagine if the show is successful they would follow suit with trying to flesh out more of the other character backstories yeah i mean they have you know i get if you have existing content i don't know when in terms of writing this was picked up by amazon but having a guarantee of 24 episodes which is a lot of content I realize it's a lot less than their hundreds of hours D&D campaign, but that's a lot of content for TV. The fact that they jumped in at a major quest and kind of threw you right into it and never took time to establish the characters definitely makes it feel like it's 100% for Critical Role fans and not for not <laughs> fans. I, I think the other issue is that considering what it started off as as a Kickstarter campaign with the, like a that it was supposed to be like it's right. They're, they're obligated like, to give fans. Yeah, it, it, it is for the fans primarily. Like it, new people are kind of like a second, uh, you know, citizen here versus the the like the main people. This is for is going to be fans who already know the characters and kind of just want to visualize a little bit of what they saw through you know just the D and D campaign. And uh, I, I mean, in all honesty, when geek and sundry way back when approached matt mercer about adapting his campaign he proffered well we already have a game we've been doing for like three and a half ish years do we just want to start there and so honestly uh unless they like went back and flushed out stuff from before they even started like critical role the show it i mean yes it's for fans because they've seen the first campaign and now on their third one and they know but it's not like there was a lot for them to go off before. And I mean, there's even a, a, like another character that they started off playing for like half of the first campaign or a good chunk of it that isn't even in playing with them anymore for personal reasons. And he's yeah. even in the show at all. So, I mean, that, that's the thing where like you take one episode and do almost like a recap, right? If yep. you really have to, I just think they really missed out on an opportunity to draw people in. I'm somewhat interested. I mean, I'm somewhat familiar with D&D. If someone knew nothing about D&D and tried to watch this show, I don't think they could enjoy it at all. I think there's I way too much that. going on. I don't know that it actually does anything that's too D&D specific. But I think knowing the tropes of D&D and understanding how D&D works has helped me understand why this story is the way it is. I think it would be way too much if you didn't know that. I I, I do agree to a portion that if you are familiar with D&D &D even a little bit, that you pick up on the little nuances and like the specific dialogue choices and the way they have decided to illustrate the, the way combat happens and things like that, you get more out of it. But I, I also would say that I think as far as like... I don't know if it's cinematograph 
photography choices or like animation styles, it seems very run of the mill of other animation series it, that's also fantasy based. So if you were to jump in, you know, I don't know if it's it's fair to say a viewer might be that left out, but I, I do think it does leave someone that's not familiar lacking. I think the I, I biggest think... thing I think the biggest thing you'd be lacking is understanding the characters because they are fairly D and D trope based characters in my opinion. Yeah. And I know the D and D tropes, so I can even though I still don't know the character names, I can recognize the tropes. I feel like if you don't have that, you are completely lost on who these characters are. I think it it follows a general fantasy trope more so. Like I, outside of like, I think the one character that is like a like a thing that you basically only see in D and D, which is a bard, basically. Uh, I think like you know somebody who's like kind of a, a natural elementalist or or you know an archer or a fighter, I guess, is what people would see these characters as. I don't think that like it it necessarily is like removing anything like it, it might give you a more of an understanding just because you know it like knowing that you know a barbarian and a cleric a druid and all that but i don't think like not knowing it really changes anything like it, it just allows you to apply a random fantasy i, I think just do a misconception of like seeing the druid as maybe like a wizard or a sorcerer right but i think part of the problem with that is because they haven't taken the time to introduce the characters more that if you don't know those tropes, and given the fast pace of the show, you're really not going to understand the characters. I song um, that introduces them, doesn't it? I I think, I think he sings a song and explains what everybody is. He does. I I honestly would I I would say that how the animation is set up, you are taking for granted in a respect. You know what would normally just be that is. Uh, a giant-like individual that swings an axe because, and he's full of rage, and that makes sense. But you you don't equate the same sort of depth of character because you know, well, in D&D, that's a barbarian. And the fact that they even made a nod to him saying, I'm in a rage, is something that barbarians yeah, do. Yeah, I, I would like panic. to rage is like his... His tagline. For the his tagline, basically, yeah. So, I, I mean, talking more about, you know, the, the narrative thread in the story... Um, I, I feel like, you know, maybe more, you know, less mechanically, more narratively, you might lose out if you're not as familiar with D&D, because it does take kind of a bird's eye view to how everything's playing. And they're fast forwarding a lot of the little details that would make you, like you said, care about the characters more because there's so much they wade through. And we're just looking at one little bit that, you know, maybe somebody trying to look at it for the first time might be turned off. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think that's where they're really missing is the mm. details and, and slowing things down in certain spots because it's so action heavy. And I get that they're trying to compress existing content, but that's the problem. Well, the action heavy bit I'll give you is probably because of the D&Dness. Like a, a lot of D&D is combat oriented. Like that's what most of the rules are actually covering. So it makes sense for a lot of what we see is basically well, just like a combat well, encounter, essentially. I, I guess speaking to, you know, kind of going into how the the platform of the show itself could, could succeed. From a financial perspective, I mean, $11.3 million is a lot of money. 
And, you know, let's assume for a second they didn't want to, because they're in the voice acting community, get a lot of prominent voice actors or recognizable, you know, character actors or what have you. And, you know, I know it was a big deal. The animator they chose is very well known for his work on other Western animations of which this is a very big style of, you know, what, with that amount of money, do you see them? Is is it maybe partly your little let down that maybe you figured, well, they had so much money, why don't they already have four seasons set up instead of two, and then they could take the time to slow? No, down. it's that unlike most shows, they went in knowing they had twenty four episodes. That's exceptionally rare, and they didn't slow their pace down for twenty four episodes. That's the problem. Most shows, you have to get people engaged, and you have to focus a little bit on action and stuff like that because you don't know how many episodes you're going to get. If you have 24 episodes, you need to get people engaged for the long haul, not for the first three episodes. And I guess especially speaking to the fact that they are releasing it in three-episode batches, even if narratively the story you know, takes a different shape, you would have expected them to tighten the writing knowing, okay, this is how it's going to be released to the viewer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think your biggest issue is just that you feel like it doesn't introduce the area and characters and everything properly. Like, I, I know that's what they attempted to do, because, I mean, literally the synopsis for it on Wikipedia is that the first two episodes are just a brand new story they wrote that's not part of the regular campaign to try to introduce the characters. So that's what the, or their attempt was, and you just didn't feel I mean, that was get, up to getting snap. into the third episode... Because starting uh, I mean, from the third episode, then that's when they're actually hitting real content. Right, and I, and I could yeah. kind of feel that. Like, the, the first two episodes did feel tacked on. And, and I didn't even, you know, I, I'm not aware of the, the rest of Critical Role, but I still recognize that. So that's, that's a problem. I, th I think they just failed with the first two episodes, trying to do, I, I guess, an introduction. Because from the D&D &D perspective for Critical Role, this... Uh, that Sovereign Uriel, which is an interesting title, he's like the main supreme chancellor of this whole, you know, continent. And this Tal'Dorei council that they see in the first two episodes they kind of introduced, it's kind of gave them the keep and setting out the quests, shall we say, that they're going to do. That's like the main governing body for all three of the campaigns, which now is like, you know, almost like 700 hours or whatever it is of, of content now. So may, maybe the pacing is actually, at least in my mind, a little too slow. Like you don't realize how important some of these characters they're introducing now are later on. But if I'm not interested enough to keep watching, I'll never get to when they become important. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, Brett, it looks like the guy that wrote the first two episodes doesn't write any of the other episodes. That, yeah, that's so, like, I don't get where the first two episodes came from. The third episode was the best episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, maybe I do kind of agree with you. Like, the, when, I, when I was introduced to it, I was just looking for a podcast to listen to, and they had just released all of them as a podcast. Uh, and all they did was they had one episode in the beginning that they considered, like, the prequel. That wasn't even an episode. It literally just had each character introduce That's exactly themselves. what you need on this show. Yeah. I mean, it was just each honestly, character introduces themselves, and then they just jumped me into the story where they were. And I, I was able to follow along, and that was fine. I, I don't think it would have been a problem if they did that. Like, literally did that. Like, it, it would kind of be funny to have the characters 
in some situation literally explain who they are. Like it would be a little a little hacky and a little exposition, but I think it'd be funny for the comedy of the show. And the other funny part is I'm pretty sure that the Briarwood arc doesn't actually deal with the overarching main quest line that they kind of get introduced. Not at all. Yeah. Totally so that that is also game. a little thing that I just realized. So this weird. is a side quest? Uh, essentially, so, it's so what this the... is is like uh, this was a, a way for them to do a quest that kind of helped fill out this character's backstory more and then like flesh him out as like an actual character. Like which is a cool thing you get to do in D&D. Like if you're if your actual players are really into something, then you get to do kind of a storyline that's kind of single character focused, right? So this is like a side story that helps this character grow and then doesn't necessarily affect a, a primary quest line that might have been threaded out before. It was it was also a way for this Taldori council that is giving them everything of which David uh Tennant's character is a part of. Uh, it it's kind of that was the vehicle that then gives them their main quest, and I believe you know maybe that's part of the reason why the writing doesn't feel so tight is they relied too heavily on something that already been done and written that is kind of like an introduction to the rest of the series at heart, and that story is just so self contained that it feels disconnected from why I should care about these characters in the long run. I think because you notice the shift on three with how it felt that the the episodes afterward will probably just be of a higher quality because they're actually being adapted from something. I think the problem was the first two were just essentially original content that just didn't mesh with the feeling of the rest of the story. Four, five, and six are way better, and they do touch on a lot more character backstory and character struggle and they make their characters more independent as opposed to here's a bunch of names that's more part of a collective group that you care about yeah see that's weird why why have the first two episodes in this show (laughs) like i i think like you said my official recommendation is start on episode three ignore the first two episodes now well i think like you said they were all right in the sense that like i mean it wasn't it was entertaining it was just a lot and it's like yeah, it just feels weird that I'm essentially starting with episode three now of making sense of things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it lets it lets my favorite character kind of steal the show a little bit more, though, because I think that they get to be more more present since the Grog? starting from. Yeah, 30, he's my favorite, too. <laughs> no, Grog is good, but I always like Scanlan. You know, I always like the scoundrel type characters. And the scummy, the best. scummy bard. I mean, the bard is by far the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not expecting nudity in the show. That was interesting in the pilot. Just a bit of a parental warning. It is not... It's very much an adult animated series. Just yeah, wait until bards, the last three episodes. Bards oh like to, to sleep around. Bang. Yeah. They'll even sleep with dragons. That's why their charisma is so high. Yes, oh right. Well, criticisms aside, uh, this has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes critics reviews out of 23 uh, which is very surprising. 93% audience score, which out of 700 people, I mean, yeah, you kind of expect that's about as high as it can go. I'm just amazed it has 100% on critics because, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess. Know. I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Ba- uh, based on the Rotten Tomato system, like, yeah, I, I we, we do a five-star system here because that makes the most sense. 
I'd give it three out of five stars. The first two episodes were really weak, but I can see the potential of the show, and it could, by the end of the season, be a five out of five stars for me. But that's still positive, so I'd be on the positive tomato meter, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So for me, like, I'm since I'm familiar enough with it that I I knew the characters and. and my other thing is like I love that it's actual voice actors because uh, we yeah. we discussed this before though the animated content where they just get actors who just do their regular voices and it just. I mean, even having Tony Hale come in, I I could recognize it was Tony Hale, but it was such a funny character and he was doing like a weird voice that I appreciated that even. But. The, the 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 main cast is just all yeah they're professional really they're their characters voice you, you don't think yeah. about oh it's Jennifer Aniston or someone random it's just no that's their character yeah like while I can tell because I've just heard them so much like when I can hear it and I can go like oh that's Matt Mercer it doesn't pull me out of it because he does such a good job at like being a different character when he does the voice which is which is fantastic and Greg Gif- Griffin is uh, Lady Briarwood. Yeah, well, for her, I 100% just hear uh, freaking, like, Azula from uh, Last Airbender. And I always go, is that is that Grey Griffin? And then I go, yes, it is. Or speaking but... of Invincible Monster Girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, going back to what I was going to say, though. So you gave it a three. I, I would give it a four, uh, just because I was familiar enough with it that I uh, didn't have any confusion stuff happening. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed watching the three episodes. I was actually going to keep watching all of it. I just figured I'd stop just to try to make sure that we were closer on, on what we'd seen but when we were reviewing it. Uh, but yeah, this is this is streamable for me for sure at, at, four, at 4 out of 5. And I, I genuinely think I might say streamable but start at the third episode. Like I, I don't think the first two episodes add anything. That's the I, biggest problem. You know the tropes of the characters, but that's it. I think I think you kind of get to know what the characters do. Like in combat, you get to see what they're going to be. I mean, I guess that like yeah, that. the introduction of the bard is like awesome. That's probably the best part of the whole first episode. Yeah, yeah, because I remember when I was like just watching it. I, well, the other part for me is because I know the characters. I was watching, and I was like, "Where, where's Scanlan? Where's Scanlan? Of course, that's where he is." Like that was that was good. But what yeah, I feel like if you don't know the D and D tropes, you might struggle with that a little bit, or or not care as much, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard for me to rate necessarily for something like that. I still think it would be enjoyable. Like, it's the same way that... I think like, if you like fantasy, it's still, like you said, it, it's still broad yeah. fantasy tropes enough that if you like fantasy, you'll probably like it. Although, if you like fantasy, I'm amazed you don't know enough about D&D to understand the basics of this. True, yeah. yeah. The people that like fantasy and don't know anything about D&D is a very small circle, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I I would give it four four and four stars out of five right now, maybe four and a half now that I've seen the the next three, four, five, and six. Um I think the just by virtue of Matt Mercer being the one who was given character backsheets and had to weave a narrative, the writing tightens up significantly, uh, and the pacing becomes way more normal. Um I, I, I definitely think it's on track to to do better. Yeah, and then I was also going to say, just with the release schedule, too, it makes it where I can easily recommend it as streamable, and I think it is something you can just come back to weekly and keep up with. Like, I think if it had been a one episode at a time, you would kind of forget about it, uh, just because it's such little content. And yeah, then, I definitely I, think this is a 
appropriate release schedule for this medium and this length of content. I mean, I think they should copy it for anything else that's also like a short thing like this as well. Like, like how my father should have just done this too. Yeah, and I am, I am struggling a little bit even with um, after party, which I think is like the episodes are like forty minutes or they're kind of random. Yeah, I wish I had a couple to watch each. Right, I I want give me two each week. Like that's kind of an hour, hour and a half seems to be the sweet spot at least for me. Like that's how much I want of a show, or I mean potentially binge it all in a weekend. But I don't know. Yeah, a weekly on some shows definitely doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, like, the latest episode was also not my favorite. It's The musical's still really good. Uh, but going back to this one. Streamable for sure, uh, for me. And then easily something you can come back to weekly. Yeah, uh, so I also wanted to try to introduce a new segment. Um, basically, instead of having our normal thing where we go off on random tangents in the middle of uh, the episode... I wanted to create we a try to compare it. it to other episodes somewhat. Yeah, I, other I, similar we, content. I know we try, but we also sometimes just go off on a random tangent. I figured we can create a section where we can maybe cover uh, maybe a little bit of random, maybe not too random, but a little bit of random stuff. Uh, but also maybe cover a few of the episodes we we've you know or shows and stuff that we've reviewed. Like, did we go back and and, and watch it or not? Or or maybe if we have. Something that we didn't review that we are watching that we maybe want to just plug real quick. Like, for sure, I know we, we gave Peacemaker a streamable review, and then I, I think we weren't sure if that's another one where it was like, do you want to wait for it to become bingeable or not? But that show is just freaking fantastic, and it, I come back to it every week. Yeah, it works enough as a weekly. I've even kept watching that one. I'm, I was a little surprised that I did. And I never, ever skip the intro. Because that intro is fantastic. it is. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, How I Met Your Father, no. I mean, I canceled my Hulu subscription anyway, but when it gets a season, I'll probably just watch it. And and to be honest, I I think I said in the podcast, before I started watching it, I happened to be watching How I Met Your Mother, so I don't want to kind of mix the two anyway. Mm. So like when I finish watching How I Met Your Mother, I'll probably just... You know, by then I'll have a whole season worth of How I Met Your Father to just binge. Yeah, I I was going to rewatch it, and then I just felt myself not caring enough if I only have one episode to watch. So I I am gonna just wait until the rest of that one's out. Uh, going way back, I mean, I watched all of Wheel of Time, and I was probably the least interested in that. I watched that weekly because I wanted it to exist so much. So good. Yeah, um, Shrink Next Door I definitely fell off of. I think I watched a couple more episodes than what we had reviewed, but I haven't finished the first season. I don't know that I will. I also don't know if that's going to get multiple seasons. I think we talked about it. I think no, it was a limited that series. That was a limited series. I finished it. Uh, After Party was good. I mean, I was eager for the fourth episode. The fourth episode was the weakest by far, mm-hmm. but I'll still go back to the fifth episode, I think. like that. That's a show I'll watch every week. But yeah, that's another one that would benefit from getting multiple episodes a week. Cause... And then I'm pretty sure we won't get a chance to review it, but Mark said you uh, you said you started watching Reacher on Amazon. I did. Uh, you know, based on the Lee Childs books, it's so far following suit with Killing Floor, the first one. I think the characters are 
pretty faithful. The writing, I mean, you know, it, it is a, a military show and, and a, a cop show, so there's only so much they can do to jazz it up. But, you know, the characters are uh, pretty dynamic for what they are, and the pacing is on the slower side. Uh, I'm on episode three right now, but it's 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 pretty good. I'd recommend it. Oh, I mean... I think that's enough random crap, <laughs> but yeah, that should that should cover most of the stuff we we usually want to sprinkle throughout the episode. All right, we got nothing else. I think that'll do it. Yep. Thanks for joining right. us, Mark. Thank you. Goodbye. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on all the popular social media sites at Streamable Pod. And listen to the podcast on your favorite platforms. Please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.